Here we're kicking off a, or continuing in a series that we are calling really a fancy name, Pray Like Jesus. And the title is really simple, but the idea of this series is, is really profound because this is exactly what we're doing. We're walking through the, uh, the, the Lord's Prayer right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to flip to, to Matthew 6, that's where we're going to be. We're going to be camped out there together. And so what we're doing over the next four weeks is we are just looking at segments of this prayer, trying to see what it is Jesus is teaching us how, how to pray and so that we can pray like Jesus. And last week, if you were here, I encouraged you guys to, to really do something with us. If you weren't here, I'm going to encourage you to do this again. It's a, it's a really simple request. I just want to encourage you guys to, to lean into this. Over the next four weeks, lean into prayer. Like I can't think of a, even if you did not make a New Year's resolution, I can't think of a better thing to be like, this is what I'm going to be about this year than prayer. So go ahead and, and lean into these prayers. Take this time to, to pray. Commit yourself to, to praying. I said last week that it takes about 40 days to, to start a habit. We've got 28 days left in this series. And guess what? You can keep going, and it'll be perfect, and it'll be great. So commit to prayer. Have, have some time to, to pray. And this is, it's been a thing that I've confessed to you guys many times as, as we talk about prayer. Prayer is not the easiest thing for me. Like, it is the, the spiritual discipline that I struggle with the most. And when Stephen and I were kind of planning a series, I was like, we should go through the Lord's Prayer. And like, once again, it's like, I get to preach on it again, and it's great. But over the last few weeks, I've really tried to take my own advice, really lean into this, and some cool things have happened. I've seen my, my prayer life, it has just grown, and, and things have been, been happening, and it's been really amazing what has been going on. Like, Tiffany's been helping hold me accountable to this, and every night, we, she has this list of people that we're praying for each night, and guess what? All of you are on it, so we get to pray for all of you here in church, and it's amazing. And it's one thing, like, I've just found God shaping my heart and changing my heart as I'm leaning into this, as I'm leaning into prayer, it's like, almost everything. I'm just like, we should pray about that and not just say it, not just tell people, hey, you should pray, but actually praying. And God is doing some amazing things. So let me just encourage you to, to lean into this, lean into the next four weeks and hopefully more than that, to dedicating your life to prayer, to understanding and to seeing what it looks like to, to pray like Jesus. In the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter five, one of the passages that we've been reading in our Bible reading, here's what, here's what David says. It talks about prayer. He says, Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. And I love that idea. Every single morning, every day, I'm coming before the Lord. I'm bringing my request. I'm bringing my praises. I'm just coming to pray. And listen to the last part of this. And wait expectantly. That's what David's saying. Is like when I, bring, when I come and I pray to the Lord, I, I'm going to wait expectantly to see him move, and to see him do what only he can do. So a few months ago, I, was, I heard this story about a guy who kind of grew up in the theater world, and he decided, and he'd been praying like he wanted to go to Broadway for a long time. He sent, up a, sent out a bunch of videos and sent out a, went up for some auditions and, and that kind of thing. Like He really wanted to be on Broadway. That was his dream. And so that didn't happen. A few years passed, and he, just, he was like, maybe this isn't where God was leading me right here and right now. And so he goes, and he just says, well, We'll wait. And he and his wife both, his name is Darian, and Darian and his wife, they both start feeling like, maybe this is where God is leading me again. Maybe he's really leading us to Broadway, but what he wanted to do is like, he wanted to be sure 
So he was like, you know, what we're going to do this time is I'm not going to send out any more audition videos. I'm just going to hope and pray that they find one of the videos that I've already sent. And if this is what God wants, we want to be sure he can, he can get me a call. And if you know anything about Broadway, that's typically not the way it works. It's not, it's not like a, hey, we'll call you type of thing. It's like you call us and call us and call us and call us. Kind of like trying to get a girlfriend like to start with. Like, you know, that idea, just like, keep calling. You'll wear them down, and eventually they're like, sure, I'll, I'll go. Like, maybe that's just my story. I don't know. Uh, so uh, it worked, though, didn't it? All right, so that's for free, uh, single guys and girls in the room. There you go. All right, but like, so he's just, he's, he and his wife start praying. And guess what? Within a couple of weeks, he gets a call. He's, he's flown over and brought over to Broadway, and he interviews, and he's auditioned, and, and he gets the job. So here he goes, like, God, I want to go to Broadway, and now he's the worship leader at Broadway Christian Church. True story. Like, he was praying to go to Broadway. Now he jokes about it. It's like, when you pray, you better be real specific, because you might want to go to Broadway to act, but God might take you to Broadway Christian Church to be a worship leader. So for three years... That's what he does. He's a worship leader at Broadway Christian Church, and finally he, he starts feeling this call on his heart again, and he's, he's familiar with the scriptures, like, you know, be specific when you pray. So he is very specific, and, and God does finally take him to Broadway. And now he's touring with Lion King, and everything's real good. As I was just kind of listening to that story, I was just laughing. It's like, anybody ever felt like that? Like, you prayed for something, and God was like, sure, but then something different happens, and it ends up being, being better. And so that's what we're looking at over the next five weeks, is we're, we're looking at how can we pray the way that God wants us to pray? Because I will be real honest, a lot of times in my life, my prayer life can often be really, really selfish. Like, I can pray for a lot of things that I want. God, can you just do this for me? Or, or can you do this for me? And I need a series like this to remind me, here is what God wants us to be praying about. Here is how he wants us to pray. And so Jesus sets up the, the prayer by saying two different things. He gives us two negatives before he dives into the positives. He says, don't go on babbling like the Gentiles. And here's the thing, like in the context in which Jesus is telling this, this story, in the context of which he's given us this prayer, what would have happened is many Gentiles, this is the way they would have prayed. They would have, they would have just started listing off the name of all the gods that they knew to hopefully get the attention of the one God who was going to answer their prayer. So it would be like, dear John... Can I have a new car? Dear Bill, can I have a new car? Dear Sal, and they would just list off all the names. There's actually, we can find in the, the original text, we can find in, in some historical documents that they would end their prayer by saying, God, just take on whatever name pleases you. And then you may give me my request. And that's what they would do. Just babble on, make these same statements over and over and over again, hoping and praying to catch the attention of God. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you don't have to do that. You don't have to pray like that for a number of different reasons. One is because you know who we're praying to. He sets it up by saying we're praying to our Father, has our best interests in mind, cares deeply for us. That's who we're praying to. But also, we have a God who already, what we, what we find, he, he already knows what we need before we ask. We don't have to convince him or try to manipulate him to listen to our prayers. He hears our prayers and he cares about them. So Jesus says, don't pray like the Gentiles. He also says, don't put on a show like the Pharisees. Don't worry about trying to, to put on a show where they think they're going to be heard because of their, their many words. They like standing on the street corners and the showtime is going to begin. Like, don't do that. The big idea behind this prayer is, is revealing the heart of God, is this short prayer that's in contradiction to these long prayers that the people of the day would pray. 
So let's go ahead and, and take a minute, and let's just, let's just pray this together. You can read it in your Bible if you want. It's also up on the screen. Um, so let's just let's read this and pray this with one another. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we forgive who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this prayer. God, thank you that you are teaching us how to pray. And God, I just, I just want to, as we go through this time together, God, I just I pray that our hearts are open to hearing your truth. God, that we will hear your word, that we'll learn to pray like you, like you want us to pray. God, thank you for, for hearing our prayers. Thank you for being our Father. God, over the next few minutes, as we, we talk about the second step uh, part of this prayer, God, I just pray that we'll be open to hearing what your kingdom looks like, what your will looks like, God, and that we will pray this, this bold prayer. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. So what I want to remind us of is like this prayer, this is a, we said this last week, but this is a template, not the finished product, okay? This isn't like, okay, if I can just say these words, if I can just memorize this statement, and then I can pray that I will be great. Like, that's not what Jesus is getting at here. What Jesus is saying, no, here's the framework that I want us to be building our prayers around. Here are the things, here are the, the ideas that, I, that your prayers should really be formed on. This is the foundation, what we should be looking through. So we're spending this next, the next four weeks looking at these statements to see what is Jesus actually communicating to us when he prays. And here's what I love about this prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. This prayer reveals how God communicates with God. Isn't that cool? Like this prayer is communicating. Here's what Jesus is saying. This is how you should pray to your father. This is how I should pray to our father. This is how I should pray to my father. And Jesus is laying out for us like this is what it looks like. For God to communicate with God. This is what it looks like for us to communicate with God. And he starts off the prayer. He says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So that's just a declaration like I am going to worship you and you alone. Jesus, you are in charge. You are the boss, my Father. You are, I'm surrendering myself to you. Then the next thing is, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the phrase we're going to clue in on today. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when I was a kid, my, I was, me and my sister were friends with the, with the preacher's kids. And, and you know, they were, their name were Chris and Caitlin. And we would, all, we would often go over to their house. And like my, I was good friends with Chris. He was a year older than me. And then Caitlin was a year younger than me. Then my sister was two years younger than me. So we were all kind of there in like this four-year span. And, and we would always go over to their house like every other weekend or something. And we would just go over to play. And I'd always be really excited about this because, like, as an eight-year-old, like, here's a cool thing. Chris had a Sega Genesis. Like, I don't even know. Like, we could go, and I was like, oh, sweet. Maybe we are gonna pr- maybe we're going to play Sonic the Hedgehog. And I got so pumped and so excited. Like, that's what we're going to do. Or, or maybe even we're going to play Super Mario Brothers. And, like, I would get so excited. And I would get to his house, and his mom would be like, oh, sorry, you can't play video games. Chris has already played too much today. I was like, come on, sucker. Like, I was excited for this. And so we, we would end up having to go outside and play, which is fine. I like going outside. But I would always think, like, okay, maybe... Maybe what we're going to get to do is maybe we're going we're gonna to play cops and robbers. Like, that'll be a fun thing. Like, or, or we'll play cowboys and Indians, or we'll play some kind of game like this. But he would always say, and this would always happen, 
as I've been practicing this, I realize I'm a little bit bitter. So this is confession time for me. But he would be like, I've already promised my sister that we would play, uh, we would play uh, prince and princesses together. And I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, like she, she knew you were coming over. And I, I just told her that's what we would do. We would play kings and queens, prince and princesses. I was like, yeah, you made that promise, pal. I didn't make that promise. I'm not, I'm not, about, I'm going to go climb that tree. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to play that. And like, I was like, I came over here to play video games. And then he would like, he'd try to act all spiritual, right? He'd say, well, I can't break a promise. I was like, Chris, if you were spiritual, you would have been reading your Bible, not playing Sega. We could have played Sega early right now. And so like, we'd go outside and you ever tried to play cops and robbers by yourself? doesn't really work, okay? It's like one minute you're the cop, the next minute you're the robber, and you kind of feel like a dog chasing their tail, and I don't even have a ch- tail to catch, and it was just, so inevitably, I'd always, I'm like, fine, I'm going to go play with them, and I'd, I'd go over, and we'd start playing Prince and Princess, and it was, it was fine, I guess, like, it was fun, okay? All right, it, it was great, but like, we would go and play, and I don't know if we were just really bad kings or really bad at like this inner like kingdom relationships because there was always a battle that was going on for the kingdom. Okay, so like the castle was always the jungle gym at our church. Like you could see it from their house and you would see there's the castle. And somehow, in some way, the castle was always under attack. Like I don't know what we did wrong, but every time we played, we were having to fend off people who were trying to overthrow our, our castle, people who were trying to overtake our kingdom. And the problem was like Chris didn't have any like regular swords, so we're out there defending our kingdom with lightsabers. Um, and so it was great to... Uh, it was really fun. Like, I was just saying, like, but we were going and we'd do this stuff. And like, I was just thinking, like every, every game, every time we played, it always ended in a battle. It always ended in a battle for the kingdom. The kingdom was always attempted to be overthrown. I've been thinking about that this week. That's not just a game that we play with kids or play it as kids. Like, that's the reality of our lives. Like, that's really the reality. Like, as we read through Scripture, we see that very clearly. Like, that's, that's a thing. In Ephesians chapter, chapter 6, Paul starts talking about this. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you will stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers, the authority of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world and against the evil spirit in heavenly places. Like there is a battle that is going on. And what Paul is setting up for is like, because there is this battle, you need to arm yourself. And he goes up in in chapter six, telling us the way, the armor of the Lord that we need to put on. And it's fascinating, this idea of put on, meaning each day, this is what we do. We suit up every single day, and one of the things he says, he's like, take the sword, which is the word. It's not a lightsaber. Like, he's like, take the word of the Lord, and that is your defense. And here's what I want to remind us of, church. We may live life like it's a playground, but it is actually a battleground. Like, we may just go through life pretending like, oh, everything's fine. I'm just fighting off these fake people with my fake lightsaber, hoping to, to defend this fake kingdom. We may act like life is a playground. But it is actually a battleground because, church, there is a battle for our hearts. There is a battle going on for our loyalty. There is a battle going on for our loved ones. There is a battle going on for our neighbors. There is a battle going on for our neighborhoods. There is a battle going on for our families and our devotion and our workplace and our friends. There is a war that is being waged. There is a battle going on. 
There's a battle for our very lives. And Satan would be very happy, this evil one, the ruler, would be very happy just to sit back and relax and be like, okay, you keep thinking life is a playground. You keep thinking that all you're doing is playing on the jungle gym. Because there is something so much more going on, and that is one of the reasons that we pray this prayer. That is one of the reasons we pray this part of the prayer, because what we are doing when we say, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done, we are aligning ourselves with Jesus and with his mission. We are aligning ourselves with his kingdom. So Jesus tells us to pray, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we flip back to two chapters in Matthew, to Matthew chapter 4. Like, there's this, like, climatic moment that's about to happen in Matthew chapter 4. It's kind of setting up for us. Jesus is getting ready to dive into his ministry. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized by John. And in this, like, cinema-type moment, like, the heavens open up and God speaks, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Like, all right, I got to admit, the kids are a lot more impressed by my God voice than you are. Every time I teach the kid, they're like, Luke, do the God voice. I'm like, okay. Like, you guys aren't really impressed by this. Sad. Like... If it was Morgan Freeman, I'm sure you would be impressed. But, but the, the, the sky opens up, and Jesus and God speaks. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And, and then Jesus goes into the wilderness. He goes into the desert, and he's, he's tempted by the devil. He goes in for a time of prayer and fasting. We find this in verse 2. Here's what we find. For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted. And the understatement of the Bible, he was very hungry. You think? Like, he goes 40 days and 40 nights without eating. You bet he's hungry. It's like, I go 40 minutes without eating, and I'm hungry. But Jesus goes 40 days, 40 nights. He is hungry. He is starving. He is in his most vulnerable state. And then Satan comes up, and he starts trying to tempt Jesus. The first thing he does is like, I know you're hungry, pal. Like, I know what it's like. Well, he doesn't know what it's like, but he's like, I know you're hungry. You've gone 40 days without eating. He points to a rock. It's like, oh, if you really are God, turn, turn that rock into, into bread. And Jesus says, no, because the scriptures say man cannot live on bread alone, but on peanut butter too. Um, just making sure we're listening here. All right. So he's, he quotes scripture and says, no, I'm not going to do that. Then Satan goes and he, he takes him up to the temple and he's like, you know, I'll just jump off. And then Satan gets really tricky. He starts quoting scripture to Jesus saying, you know, they're, they're not going to let you fall. The, he will order his angels to protect you and hold you with their hands. He won't even let your foot hit the stone. Satan's trying to deceive. That's all he does. That's all he is, is a liar and a deceiver. Jesus replies, the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. Here's the one I really want us to clue in on for just a second. As we're thinking about kingdom, look at verse 8. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's what Satan's doing. He's bringing him up to the castle, bringing him up to the mountains like, look around, Jesus. You see all these kingdoms? I can give you that. I can give all of that to you. Success? I can give you that. You know, money, I can give you that. Relationships? I can give you all of that. Just, just look around. Look what I can give you. And I think sometimes it's our tendency to fall into that. We tend to forget, okay, like Satan is a liar. That's all he is. 
Satan is a deceiver. That's who he is. We start looking at the kingdoms of this world. We start looking at the kingdoms that, that are not, of, not the kingdom of heaven. And we start to buy into the lie. We start to buy into maybe this is what I want. I mean, we are tempted to fall into the kingdoms of this world. I know I am. I know I am tempted to fall into this and, and chase after other things. That is why I need to be praying this prayer. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray this prayer, one of the things we are doing when we pray this, we are in strong defiance against the devil. We are in strong defiance of what Satan is trying to, the, the kingdoms that he is trying to, to bring about. We're in defiance of, of his kingdom, of Satan's kingdom, and, and the kingdom of this world. Because there's multiple places in Scripture we can go to where, where Satan or the devil is referred to as the ruler of this world, the prince of this world. We read one in Ephesians 6, also in 2 Corinthians 4, it says this, Satan, who is the god of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are, able, they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Catch that first part. Satan, who is the God of this world. Jesus talks about this in John 14. Jesus is comforting his disciples. He's, he's spending some time talking with his disciples. He knows his time is short. He knows he doesn't have much time left. And Jesus goes on and says, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. Satan, but here's the good news. He has no power over me. And you know, this, this, this is who Satan is. Like He's the ruler of this world, the prince of this world. And here's the cool thing is, is when we bring heaven to earth, we are overthrowing where Satan reigns. When, like, this is, this is what we see in Scripture. Like, this is where Satan reigns. He's the, the prince of this world. But what happens is when we start bringing heaven to earth, we are beginning to overthrow his kingdom. We are beginning to show people what God looks like. We're beginning to, to make earth look a whole lot more like heaven. We're going we're gonna to develop that idea in just a few more minutes. So here's what we're praying. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's one of the significant things. It's like, this is, we talked about this last week, but we've noticed the difference between the our passage and the us passages and not the I passages. Remember we talked about how, how Christianity is always communal? Because what we read here is like, your kingdom come soon. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it's these, give us what we need. Forgive our sins. And that's what we're looking at here. And so as we pray this prayer, the cool thing is happening. As we pray this part of the Lord's Prayer, we are setting ourselves aside. When we pray, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what I'm saying? Jesus, I don't care about my kingdom anymore. I want to be part of your kingdom and your kingdom of love. You know what we're saying when we say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? God, I don't care about my will. What, whatever I want, I want it to be what you want. And there's a beautiful passage in the Psalms that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I, we like focusing in on that, give us the desires of our heart, but what happens first? We delight ourselves in the Lord. So that's what we're, we're praying. We're like, I, this isn't about me. I don't want my kingdom to come. I don't want my will to be done. I want your will to be done. I want your kingdom to come. And th what we, that requires of us is to come to the end of ourselves, to realize this isn't about us anymore. 
Life isn't about us, and we, we are turning our lives over to King Jesus. We are, this, the way this happens is it's produced by obedience to the gospel and obedience to the word. And what I love about this prayer is the contents of this prayer are shaped by hope. This is, this is shaped by this longing for God to do what, what he always said he was going to do. Like if we flip back to Genesis chapter 3, like we see the fall of, fall of humanity. Like the first sin pops up to the world in Genesis chapter 3, and the very first prophecy about Jesus pops up there when it talks about the, the woman is going to give birth to a son, and he will crush the head of the serpent, and the serpent will strike his heel. That's what Israel has been looking for ever since. Like, and so there's this hoping when Jesus said, I'm, I'm praying for your kingdom. There's this hoping of this kingdom that's coming where the, the head of the serpent will be crushed once and for all. May your kingdom come soon. That's a desire of hope. May it come soon. May your will be done. And so there's a number of different things that would have come into the mind of the original readers or the original hearers of this word. So when Jesus mentions kingdom, like there's a lot of different things that would have flooded to the thought of, of his original audience. Like they would have thought, you know, God is king. It's one of the things they would have thought about with kingdom. They would have thought about Jesus as this Davidic hope or this messianic king. What would have come into their mind is like, okay, here comes Israel, and Israel is going to be a society that is ruled by, by this Davidic Masonic or messianic king. What would have came into their mind when they're talking about God's kingdom would have been a, a world and a, a place that was marked by peace, holiness, love, and wisdom. A kingdom that was marked by a new creation, a new hope, a new power, a new obedience, a place where healing of all sickness and diseases would have come. Like that's what would have been flooding to the mind of people when they're talking about God's kingdom. So when Jesus, he, when he talks about kingdom, like what, would have, what people would have thought was this idea of a place where people can flourish under the reign of King Jesus. Like that's what would have come to the mind of people. Is this idea of like, this is how we can flourish, is under his kingdom, under his, under his rule. Think back to the Beatitudes. Flourishing are the meek. Flourishing are those who are persecuted. Flourishing, like, that is what, like, it may look different than what we think, but that's what would have come to the mind of people. I mean, when Jesus is talking about kingdom, perhaps they're thinking about what, what John talks about in Revelation chapter 21. Like we, in Revelation 21, we have this idea of this new heaven and this new earth and everything's good again, everything's made right, everything's made new. And in Revelation 21, verse 3 and 4, here's what it says. It says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. So maybe that's what people are thinking. Maybe that's what they're hoping. Like, okay, this, this is what we're praying for. God, may your kingdom come soon where oh, everything's made new. Everything's made right. Everything's good to go. I mean, we can see that actually happening with Joseph of Arimathea in, in Mark chapter 14. Like, this is what he's looking for. We find this in Mark 14, 42. Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honored member of the high council. He was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. 
And I think sometimes this is where we get stuck. We start thinking, okay, the, the kingdom of God, we start thinking as like heaven and earth as separate places. Like, oh, this kingdom of heaven, like, oh man, I can't wait for that day. Can't wait to get there. And, you know, I have to deal with earth now, but, but one day I'm going to go and I'll be in heaven and everything will be fine. But what we see through the pages of scripture is the two actually are, are coming together. They're intersecting. There's, it's kind of confusing, but it's this idea of a, a already not yet kingdom. Like, Jesus has come, and the kingdom that Jesus is bringing, it is already here, but it's not yet here. It hasn't been completely fulfilled yet, and I think a lot of times, this is where we get stuck. We'll get stuck at the, uh, may your kingdom come soon. All right, cool. Like, I'm going to pray that prayer. I'm going to sit back, and I'm going to watch some Netflix. I'm going to drink some tea. I'm just going to wait for Jesus' kingdom to come soon. All right, done my part. I prayed that prayer. I'm good. We can... I think sometimes we get stuck there. Jesus doesn't allow us to get stuck there, though, does he? Because then he continues on. He says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This isn't simply a waiting and a hoping for Jesus' kingdom, but a partnership with his kingdom. Like, this isn't just, I'm just going to sit back and wait and hope that the kingdom comes. No, it's like, I am praying that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I am praying for... And as I pray, I am committing my life to partnering with your kingdom. I am committing my life to making my home, my place where I live, the place where I work, to look more like heaven because I'm committing to my, your will being done and your kingdom coming. While these petitions, these prayers are asking for God to act, yes, they also assume that there is a willingness to participate in what is happening. Like, this is just not a sitting back waiting. Like, we're, no, we're saying, God, I, I'm in. I'm going to be active in this as well. Like, one of the ways we do this is by reflecting, living like God, living, being holy as he is holy. One of the ways we do this is by being the light of the world so that everyone can see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. That's one of the ways that we do this. And when we pray this, we are making a commitment. It's like, God, I want your kingdom to come soon. I want your will to be done. When we do that, you know, we're, we're, we're making a commitment and saying, and I will be an instrument through which that happens. I will be an instrument. I will be, you can use me to help that come about, to see your kingdom come. Like being a Christ follower, it isn't a spectator sport. We're not just sitting back cheering on other people. We're, we're in the game. We might pretend it's a playground, but it is a battleground. We're getting in the game. We're, we're getting in. We're working for Jesus' kingdom to come. And Jesus talks about this later on in chapter 6. Look at verse 33. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. So he's telling us, like, this is what I want you to be focused on. Here's what I want you to be seeking is the kingdom of God above all else. I'm seeking his kingdom above my own kingdom. I'm seeking his kingdom or his will above my will. We help bring Jesus' kingdom to earth as we love him and we love others. It's one of the ways we do that. And here's the thing. Like, that essentially is the mission statement of our church. Like, if you flip to our church website and you look at why we exist, here's what it says. It says, we exist to glorify and enjoy God as we love Jesus and love other people, or we love others. That's what we're about. As a church, that is what we are about. As the mission of Jesus, that's what we should be about, is about loving other people and caring for other people. 
So we partner with the kingdom. How do we partner with the kingdom? Every single act of, of love, every single act of true love, not true love's kiss, but every act of, of Christ-centered love, it points people to the kingdom. Every single act of grace, when we forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, it points people to the kingdom. Every single act of, of peace, when we are flourishing because we are the peacemakers, we are pointing people to Jesus' kingdom. Every single act of, of real justice, it points people to the kingdom. And here's the thing is like when we pray, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is this prayer for, is for earth to be a mirror to heaven. Let me, let me say that again. This is a prayer for earth to mirror heaven. Let me ask you a question. How well are you doing at that? How much does your house mirror heaven? How much does your, your workplace mirror heaven? How much does your, 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 your job or your, your school or your, the place that you spend time with your friends, how, do, how much does that mirror heaven? That's what this prayer is. It's a prayer that, that where we are and where we live on earth, for it to mirror heaven. And one of the ways we do this is we, we seek God's kingdom above all else. We put his kingdom first. We lay our kingdom aside. We lay our desires aside. And we're like, Jesus, I am going to follow you, follow you regardless everywhere you want me to go. So it says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done. Now, any time in scripture, whenever something pops up, like may your will be done, it raises a really important question. It's like, what is God's will? So just as a show of hands, would anybody really like to know what God's will is? Like, would it, right, I mean, we could be honest in this. Would anybody like for God to, like, shoot them a text and be like, hey, here's, here's my will for you today? Anybody, anybody would be into that? I would. Like, God, you just, you just clue me in on that, okay? Like, there are passages in Scripture where it talks about what God wants to do and God wants to do through us, and, like, God has a plan. I'm like, God, can you clue me into that? Can you just let me know so I don't have to go through some of the stuff I'm going through right now? Anybody want to know what God's will is? Funny you should ask. Guess what? Like, here's what we can see. I love looking at verses in Scripture that literally say, this is God's will for you. Like, this is what God's will is. So you want to see what God's will is? Let's look at a few of them. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, always be joyful, never stop praying. So we're not just making up this prayer thing is important. Here we go. It's never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. So what is God's will? To be joyful, to always be praying, to be thankful in all circumstances. But wait, there's more. Continue on in Thessalonians 4. God's will for you is this, to be holy. So stay away from sexual sin. What is God's will for us to be holy? To, to remove ourselves from sexual sin. And, and there's more. Ephesians 5. Be careful of how we live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what God wants you to do, what his will is. Don't be drunk with wine, because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing praises and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your heart. And give thanks to everything for God the Father. So what is God's will for us? Well, here's, be careful how we live. Don't be, don't be foolish. 
live like wise people, make the most of every opportunity. Like that's what God's will is. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we get more of his will. This is God's will, that your honorable lives should, be, should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Respect the king. So you want to know what God's will is for you? It's to live such an honorable life that anyone who wants to make accusations against you will be be made out to be a liar. That's what God's will is for you. You want to know what God's will is for your life? It's to live, it's to respect everyone, to love the body of believers, to, to fear God, and to respect the king. So here's what we pray. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's the thing. Like, this is just not merely a request for for God to come back. Like, this isn't just a a hope. Like, God, you're going to come back and you're going to set all things right. No, this is a a commitment. This is a prayer for God's reign and God's purposes and God's plans to be realized as much here on earth as they are in the throne room of heaven. His glory to be shown, his glory to be praised like it is in earth as it is in heaven. And as we look at this prayer, the first two statements, I find it really significant that the first two things that Jesus is telling us to do when we pray, first thing he says is is to worship. The second thing he says is, is to submit. That's the first thing he tells us to do. Before we confess our sins, before we ask for, for anything else, the first two things that he is asking us to do or telling us to do is to keep his name holy, to worship him as father. And the second thing is is to submit to his kingdom, to to submit to his will. And here's what this means for us. It is impossible to pray effectively until we know who God is and who we are. We cannot pray effectively if we don't know who God is. If we don't recognize and realize that God is Father, who has our best interests in mind, who cares deeply for us, we're never going to pray effectively. If we think God to be someone who's just like a a genie that we just rub the lamp and your wish is my command, like we are never going to pray effectively. If we never realize who we are, we're never going to pray effectively. When we don't realize that, when we fail to realize that we are deeply loved by the Father and he cares for us, we're never going to pray effectively. Until we realize that, that we are committing ourselves and what Jesus wants from us is not just to, to live out our own kingdom, but to bring his kingdom on earth. Until we realize that, we will never pray effectively. Once we realize who God is and we realize who we are, then we can start praying powerful prayers. Then we can start praying effective prayers. So Jesus starts off by saying, first thing I want you to do is I want you to worship me. I want you to declare your allegiance to me. And the next thing I want you to do is I want you to submit to my kingdom and to submit to my will. So last month was, was Christmas. Hard to believe that was only like a few weeks ago. It seems like a year ago. It seems like last year. All right. Um, it was. But like, it's hard to believe it was already Christmas. And it's already come and passed. And, and one thing that we always do at Christmas, like we focus in on, on Jesus' coming. Like that's Advent means like God has come. And that's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're focusing on. But here's something I always think about when we're, we're thinking about Christmas. Like, we're focusing on Jesus' first coming, 
But you know what scripture tells us? There is going to be a second coming when Jesus comes back. And there's a, there's a few differences between the two, right? Like the first coming, when Jesus came the first time, it was all meek and mild. Like no one really knew what was happening. Like no, when, when Jesus comes back the second time, the sky will split in two, okay? Like when Jesus came the first time, like there was this inn owner who, who got who gave him a place to stay. But other than that, it was seemingly unnoticed. Like the angels actually had to come and announce to the, to the shepherds, like, hey, guess what? That, the, the Savior's here. He's here. <laughs> when Jesus comes back, that will not be the case. When Jesus comes back, Scripture says every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's not going to be a question, hmm, I wonder if Jesus is coming back today. Like if Jesus comes back, we are all going to know. When Jesus came back, when Jesus came the first time, he came to be born, and he came to be born so that he could die. When Jesus comes the second time, he's coming to bring dead things to life. He's coming to bring people to life again. When Jesus came the first time, he rode a donkey on the way to Jerusalem to be nailed to a cross. When Jesus comes the second time, he's coming back in a war horse, and everyone is going to know. And here's what I want to make sure that we understand. is between Jesus' first coming of Advent that we just celebrated, in between, when he comes back the second time, everything in between matters. Everything between now and then matters. So are you praying? May your kingdom come soon. Are you praying? May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And not just praying it, are you truly submitting to Jesus' kingdom? Are you truly submitting to, to his will to be done in your life? in your life to look just like heaven. Let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father.